Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Home Matters Podcast. This is episode 28 and the first of 2020. And I'm happy to say that while we are not, you know, we're, we're goal setters, right? Yes, we are goal absolutely. Setters, yeah. We meet, set some goals, have some ideas, not necessarily resolutions, but talk about business. How does it look in one year and what are our, what are our hopes and dreams for the next year? But this is one thing that um, 100% follow through. You know, when we started 2019, we thought, heck, let's do a podcast. And uh, we made it through every other week, got one extra podcast in. We did 27 by the end of 2019. And uh, we love it. It's a, it's a good way to spend a morning every two weeks. Almost every time we sit down at this table, I think about that because it was about this time last year, you come in, you said, let's what do you think about a podcast. I'm going, uh, I guess. Yeah, and, sure. and little did we know how much we have enjoyed the process, so we're looking forward to the yeah. to the new year. And Absolutely. it was kind of a Frankenstein setup at first, so yes. we, we've stepped it up a little bit. <laughs> so, so this is exciting. And uh, and I was thinking that I don't want to you know set on the new year too much, but I was thinking about goals personally. And one thing that I was reminding myself of uh, over the last couple of days in discussions with my wife is that you know sometimes we have goals like ah oh, I want to. I want to lose some weight or I want to do something. I want to get fit. I want to do health. I want to, you know, eat differently. And a good reminder this year that is different for me personally is that don't look at where you are now with any sense of shame. Be proud of where you are and get excited for a goal, whatever that goal might be, whether it's financially or personally or with health or with fitness or something like that. And think that'll be exciting when I get there, Yeah, if I get there. But be proud of yourself where you are today. You know, that's kind of interesting, Randy, because I am somewhat of an old soul in that I'm very reflective. I look at the past and I go, what can I learn from it? Um, But that at New Year's was kind of a downer for me. I didn't, I I found it, the time of reflection was a little depressing rather than, Mm -hmm. and so I have trained myself to now look at New Year's as what's coming what what do I have to look forward to what's and it took me years to get there because I Hmm. I just didn't like the new year I thought it was very depressing and so I I started having a gathering at my house to invite people in and I started reflecting differently on my birthdays coming up and you know um, not making that such a negative I I one time had a, a gal who was a cancer survivor And I was kind of moaning about my birthday, and she said, every birthday is a gift. And I went, "Yeah, you're so right. So it it took a lot of years for me to get to a place where I wasn't looking back, but looking forward and actually really enjoy this season now Mm -hmm. compared to, you know, to earlier years. And, and Jenna and I were just talking about this, about because I thrive on change, I actually love this time of year. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't set a lot of goals and resolutions, but I like the newness. I like to say, we put a bow on 2019, and it's wrapped up and done, and we move forward. And so, you know, while I have a lot of things going on in my mind, that I'm just ready to jump in and learn and do new things, which is actually why the podcast was so fun when you mentioned it in January. For me, yeah. the timing was perfect. Let's, let's do this and get into it. And go but anyway we're rambling here oh which is all good and we're going to change it we're going to grow it i was just thinking of you know enjoying where we're we're at in the present and not wishing time away is you know you got to take advantage of where you're at we never introduced ourselves i'm randy brock and i'm alongside ron and lynn whiteman and our guest and friend jenna bowman is with us today 
Rob, why don't you go ahead? Excited to have you with us. Very excited to be here. So why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you? What do you do? Whew, that's a loaded question. No. (laughs) 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 So uh, I'm Jenna Bowman. I currently work for the city of Rochester as their communications and engagement manager. Um, Pretty much lifelong Rochester resident, born and raised here, and then uh, left Rochester for about a decade, a little under that, and was in St. Paul first for my undergrad at St. Kate's and then stuck around and, and worked uh, before actually coming back to Rochester in May of 2014. So it's hard to believe how quickly, you know, I talk about time going, mm-hmm. um, how quickly that time has gone. So came back and was the executive director with the Rochester Downtown Alliance. And then just in late July of 2018, took this brand new position with the city of Rochester. So uh, I've got a wife of We've almost begun, it'll be this October, then a, a decade that we've been together, which is crazy to believe. Wow, congratulations. Uh, almost two and a half year old, and then we'll welcome one, another one here in April. So talk about seasons of change in life. Uh, I think 2020 will be uh, a bit of a journey for us, even more so than the first child. <laughs> yeah. So. You're still not outnumbered. Yeah, which, true. Which is good. True. I come from four, and I just think, how did my parents do that? So yeah. three out of the four of us are... I've got three brothers, so I don't know how the house didn't burn down or something didn't happen. So There is something about that second one, though, that kind of makes you a family. I mean, the first one, you're, you're like, oh, here we are, this couple with a, a little baby. And it's, it's just a different... Almost like a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, I, there it is two against one, I guess, you know, yeah. so you're still, you're still good. But that, that second one comes in, and it is, it, there's a little bit of... Oh, we're a family now. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a little, it's a change. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it'll be interesting to see. We're very excited for Iris to have a sibling and see how that goes and have that gift for her, but also just kind of a change to her world to know that she's not the only person, you know, the world resolve, revolves around more than just kind of her wants and needs. <laughs> but she said she's going to be a big helper and we're taking it for what she says. So Fine. <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah, everyone learns a lot more compromise and patience. And, oh, uh, Yes. <laughs> it's quite a road ahead. So yes. you um, you were from Rochester. You were born here. Yes, I was. And then you left. Was it your plan to come back, or did you not? Did you not have that? In I didn't mind? have that plan. Um, it was. I almost. I wish I could remember the the day, but I remember I was sitting in a meeting. Um, I worked for the Grand Avenue Business Association. I think we were having an advocacy meeting, and I was sitting next to a gentleman with Kowalski's Market, and he had said that he had been in conversations with. Um, a local developer about possibly bringing the you know grocery train here down to Rochester, and he was just really excited and asking about various parts of the community and my thoughts on it. And that's right about the time I think it was shortly after that there was a big feature on Destination Medical Center. And um, as Allie and I were talking about kind of our future and plans for a family, you know, we really enjoyed. We'd lived at that point in various parts of St. Paul, but you know, kind of said my mom was here and thinking about having family support. Um, and just the excitement and kind of energy around Rochester, we started to consider, well, maybe that's a move that we'd want to make. So started looking and um, sure enough, within like the six months that we started really considering it, the position came up at the RDA and so kind of threw my hat in and uh, knew it was a little bit of a long shot as far as, you know, that that position, but was selected for it. And so, and then there we were back here in Rochester. So So RDA, for the people who might not know, Tell us about RDA. So the Rochester Downtown Alliance is a special service district. So it's a, some might know it as a business improvement district. So it was started back in 2005 as a way to really bring some revitalization back to downtown. 
um, as we're seeing with many downtowns, there's kind of this new life to um, those live, working, and playing in downtown. Um, so back in 2005, the organization was started. Um, that's when you saw the creation of various events, like, uh, well, they picked up Thursdays on First and Socialize and others. Um, and so by the time I started with the organization, those events were well established. But um, really, the organization was meant to help support businesses in the downtown to thrive. Um, and obviously, that's kind of taken on a whole new life of its own, if you will, with the Destination Medical Center initiative. And I remember when I had started, people were kind of asking, you know, what do you what do you kind of envision or what's the biggest change you're expecting? And I said, I don't think we can fully wrap our hands around what it will mean when we have more residents living in downtown. Mm-hmm. And I think we're really starting to finally see what that looks like as far as residential options um, in and around the downtown, which is just creating, you know, a, a change that is unlike anything else mm-hmm. we've seen in downtown before. So there is so. a lot of conversation about uh, within the community because all of Rochester is, is a thriving, great place to live. But there's a, a balance between the outlying neighborhoods and then the the intense focus on what's happening downtown and and the cost of being downtown. Whether you're a business or mm-hmm. you know you're looking to run an apartment or buy a property downtown, it's it's um, it's 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 expensive. Mm-hmm. So what do you love about downtowns? Oh, that's a great question. Um, You know, I think one thing I really appreciate, especially coming back to Rochester and having worked along Grand Avenue, is the similarities with the locally owned small businesses and then that with the national chains. We saw it even more so along Grand Avenue. But I remember having a conversation with a local small business owner who had a little baby boutique, and um, the storefront directly across from her was one of the higher rent buildings and uh, at that point a north face and loft were going to go in and you know I was kind of asking how do you feel as a small business seeing the international change come in and she said you know it's great she said I will never have the marketing dollars to spend to attract customers like these these businesses do but then they look across the street and they see my shop Mm -hmm. and they're interested in the unique local piece of that and through my customer service you know it's up to me to get and keep my clients but she said that's the great mix if we have locally owned and the national chains you know living and working together in these spaces um, it just really creates a good mix for you know residents and visitors because they have confidence and are have a known experience with a lot of the national chains where they're willing and wanting then that unique experience with a small business and I think we're seeing that and have seen that with our, our downtown in Rochester as well as the longtime small businesses with the mix of, you know, the national chains that have come in or are going to be coming in to really find that balance. And I think that'll be the continued evolution that there always will be that mix. And I think that's what we should hope for. Um, But, you know, Rochester is so unique with our visitors, over 3.3 million visitors annually. Um, And when you talk to folks who maybe haven't experienced Rochester before, when they either themselves experience that sense of care, you know, that, that they get from the community members or they witness it, it's so neat to hear them talk about it because mm-hmm. they said, mm-hmm. you know, they'll say they see they witness someone who looked like they were kind of turn around and then instantly somebody asked if they needed directions or where were they headed. And you just don't find that other places. So I think as far as something that's unique to downtown Rochester, I really appreciate that. I appreciate having the opportunity to help people if it looks like they might need some help you know, give them that small piece of directional advice or, you know, food recommendation, and then they're kind of on their way, and I'm on I'm on mine, and, you know, you hope that you were a good part of their short little journey or whatever, you know, type of journey they're on, probably here for 
care with mayo. You know, it's kind of interesting when Ron and I travel because I'm so used to being downtown Rochester and speaking to people and smiling and welcoming and um, assisting, like you Mm -hmm. said. And then when we travel, if I smile and talk to people, they look at me like I am weird. You know, yeah. it's like, where are you from? Yeah. You know, was that you on the sidewalks of New York? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. And they're just like, wait a minute, this lady is too friendly. <laughs> well, and I think that was really awesome. You know, in working with the the businesses, both past and present, is the amount of care that not only the small business owners but their staff provide to. Um, you know, patients and companions and families and long-time relationships. I mean, some of the business owners would talk about knowing a family for 10-plus years and now multiple generations that they provided service um, service to is pretty incredible. I mean, I think that's – they're truly almost like an extension of the Mayo Care team, you know, in that experience. Right. So um, that was a really neat part of, you know, working with the downtown business owners specifically is hearing those stories and seeing that impact. I'm I'm kind of a, a numbers person, and I got stuck on one. You said we have three point three point three million visitors annually. So, do you have any idea how that would compare to a, g- a generic city our size across the country? I mean, that's where we're truly unique. I, I mean, and I think that's very reflective of you know our population being about one hundred twenty thousand. But the three point three million visitors, I don't think you can find in a community our size. I wouldn't think even close, no. probably. No. no, and that's why it's always that delicate balance of trying to find comparable communities in terms of population. Yeah. But then when you factor in the, the visitor rate, it's just there's, you have to end up going up a few sizes, if you will, in terms of community to have comparables. So how would, how would that work, though, with maybe small, like, where tourism is a big thing? I mean, ours isn't really tourism. But there are a lot of people coming into a small community. Does that compare at all? That's a good question. I don't. I can't think of a specific community. I mean, you run into more like Duluth that's going to see more visitors that are there for recreation or tourism. Um, would know. they see that many though? I mean, would they? I don't think so. I think yeah. that three point three is pretty unique. Pretty unique and growing. Now, again, that's not just medical patients sure. or companions. That's mm-hmm. Obviously, we know we bring in a good amount for either conventions or sports, et cetera. Sure. Uh, I don't remember that exact breakdown, but yeah, pretty incredible. I hate to throw out a random question like this, but <laughs> if you look at a city like St. Paul, and I was just in St. Paul a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and it was really cool to be back there again in downtown and not just driving up for you know, a wild game or something mm-hmm. like that, but spending a little bit of time there. And it, it's really interesting to see how St. Paul has changed, mm-hmm. whether it's downtown or the restaurants around it uh, near the capital. But mm-hmm. how does a city like St. Paul, which is still not as, quite as big as Minneapolis, right? But how does it compare to a city like Rochester? I mean, you're getting a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Paul was wonderful to visit, wonderful to walk through downtown. But how does how does Rochester, I mean, are we achieving are we trying to achieve kind of a level like that in a city like St. Paul? I think there's things just as a Midwestern city that we find probably inspiration from, you know, more so with the climate of how we move through each season in a way that is attractive and livable and welcoming. You know, as you talk about residents or visitors, how do we get people out of their homes, you know, in the dead of winter, if you will. And some of that's through strategic activation of either events or just the built environment, which we're obviously seeing those conversations with Heart of the City and Discovery Walk and and other other developments like that. 
Um, you know, I think it's also remembering that there's seasons of change. You talk about St. Paul and they've had a number of uh, specifically restaurants, longtime restaurants that are, they're now seeing a change in. And um, I think sometimes it's being, you know, it's watching for those changes and being comfortable that the market changes and businesses mm-hmm. swap out. And um, But then being aware when maybe those changes are showing something that we need to be aware of. Um, but, you know, you even look at St. Paul and I would I would say that the investment and work that was done in downtown Rochester, probably at Rochester's downtown, almost more thriving and vibrant than, you know, St. Paul's had mm-hmm. in the last couple of years has really tried to invest to make that happen again. Um, so in some ways, I think downtown Rochester has been a little bit ahead of St. Paul, if you will. Sure. I think the other thing that was really exciting is coming back. Um, you know, I'd gotten so used to Minneapolis and St. Paul and the uniqueness of neighborhoods, right? It wasn't just oh, I live in St. Paul, I live in Minneapolis. You were specifically, we, we lived on the east side before we came back, and so, oh, I'm in St. Paul on the east side. Um, it's been neat to see in Rochester neighborhoods have more um, personality and more um, you know, people really identifying with their neighborhoods, and not just the core neighborhoods like Kutsky and Slatterly and Historic Southwest, but you know, we got the Manor and others where um, you have neighbor, neighbors coming together um, and really celebrating what's unique about their area of Rochester. And I, some of that's just now the age of neighborhoods and mm-hmm. having that established. Um, but I think some of it's just that whole identity piece of people people being proud of their community and then even more hyper-local. Yeah. And that's been neat as far as comparison a little bit to St. Paul and Minneapolis is yeah. that uh, neighborhood component. Well, I noticed in Denver when I was out there too is that there were more pocket neighborhoods like that, mm-hmm. um, but pocket commerce. So we could mm-hmm. walk from my friend's house. We didn't have to go downtown. We didn't have to go catch an Uber. We didn't have to drive somewhere. We could walk a couple blocks to mm-hmm. just a small space where there were a couple restaurants, a little grocery store, a little mm-hmm. drugstore. Um, and it was great mm-hmm. to not have to be moving around a whole lot in such a big city like that where you could find yourself if you had to you could drive two hours and it would take you to that much time to get across the city oh and I think we're seeing that I mean develop even more so you think back when um, you know second and in, in uptown was developed right revitalized or changed in terms of the streetscape and now you know you think about some of the develop with development with thesis brewing and now the residential literally right next to it and beetles across the street and that little hub um, that I think that will continue to see even more so in Rochester is, yeah, these little developments in pocket neighborhoods that's kind of revitalizing what used to be life past, right, mm-hmm. of things being within walking distance or um, not needing to get in your vehicle and go to kind of these major shopping complexes or hubs either. But those are still, you know, part of our ecosystem. Yeah. You know, that's a really interesting thought because I, I'm wondering in the past – Rochester residents weren't always as supportive of of little entrepreneurial type businesses. Um, we would often hear, say, ten years ago, that it was difficult to have a small business here because the cities was so close, mm-hmm. and people would go up there and support those businesses, like get out of town, mm-hmm. rather than stay and support what we had here. But if you if you make them little pocket areas and neighborhoods, I see that being one solution to that because mm-hmm. if all you have to do is walk there you know you kind of take a little bit of ownership in that mm-hmm. you know this is our hangout mm-hmm. this is our little grocery store or whatever so that's that's a great concept mm-hmm. to, to see to help that how do you think that are the residents of Rochester doing better in supporting local businesses do you think 
I, th- I think so. I mean, I think people are seeing the value around supporting, you know, locally owned small business. And if you if you want it here, you have to support it. You know, you can't just say that you want it here in theory. And then, yeah, you're, you're taking your dollars and spending them elsewhere. I think people are, you know, looking for experiences and, you know, if they can stay here and do that. I remember talking to um, a gentleman with uh, with one of our local breweries and, you know, just the, I was asking about how many, you know, beers they make and thinking, Oh, you know, kind of had a number in my mind. And he said, we're always coming up with new ones because especially for the younger generation, if they come in, they want to sample a new beer every single time. And once they've tried what they haven't tried, they'll move Mm -hmm. on to the next place. So I think it's, um, you know, it was interesting hearing that from a small business owner and them responding to the market, but also great to hear, you know, that those, the next generation or, you know, our, our local residents were, coming and supporting the breweries here, um, which yeah. obviously have thrived and just exploded in the last few years, um, versus, you know, heading to Minneapolis and, and choosing to sample those beers up there. So, and I think it's a mix of, um, I, I also think it's been great to see support, you know, for locally owned small business, but then when you think about our region and then you think about our state, I think we've seen a kind of revival of really Minnesota support and pride and the Midwestern support and pride. Um, And then I think that just trickles back down to, you know, locally and regionally, which is, I think, really neat to see. Um, I think sometimes people don't always realize um, just the richness of what we have here in southeastern Minnesota as far as the outdoors, Mm -hmm. uh, recreation, you know, our smaller communities and what they have to offer and kind of the revitalization that we've seen with their downtowns and businesses as well. Um, which is really cool. Yes, it is. Which, which is a distinction uh, between, you know, because we often talk about being in a very large, small town, uh, because that kind of describes us, and Bucky Beeman was here one time, and he talked about the difference between us and a large city like St. Paul is within five minutes you can be in a cornfield. <laughs> or, to your point, within 20, 25 minutes you can be in Whitewater State Park mm-hmm. and, and be completely, you know, out in the country and nature. So so it is it is unique, and, and we love it mm-hmm. that way. And Ken Burns talked about that in that uh, film that he yep. did about the Mayo Clinic, about how part of that, ability to connect with nature is so close to us that it does make a difference in how the people Mm -hmm. respond. So I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think something else has changed too, because Minnesota is by and large, it's lake culture Mm -hmm. across the state. So people would be sitting here thinking, well, I want to get a cabin on a lake. So they would drive hours Mm -hmm. to go somewhere else and sit in the cabin on a lake and have their boat and do some fishing. But uh, once you get to know Southeast Minnesota, even right in the city of Rochester, where you've got bike trails, you've got miles. Do you know off the top of your head how many miles? I I knew at one point, I think it's over 100 miles. I think we're up to 110 miles of trail. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. amazing. And then you can go outside Rochester to the Root River Trail, and you've got mm-hmm. cities like Preston and Lanesboro that are growing and, and doing very well. So once we kind of get out of that bubble of, oh, we don't have any lakes, <laughs> we discover the rivers and the bluffs mm-hmm. and the Mississippi and everything in between, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I was going to say earlier, because Ron and I have a small car, and, and we will do a lot of just day trips and drive mm-hmm. around southeastern Minnesota in the summer. Um, especially, and it we 
I hope this isn't offensive to any of the uh, cabin people, but we prefer southeastern Minnesota to up north. Mm -hmm. I mean, we love southeastern Minnesota. I love the bluffs and the river and how that you know terrain has has formed and it just for us is so rich mm -hmm. you know and i do think that people think the boundary waters is the only place to go and it's great if you like that kind of thing but we we really love southeastern minnesota mm -hmm. and we think that people don't always understand that it is pretty rich yeah. when you get out there and i think we still have the row your boat attitude even though we can't get out and row our boat here right <laughs> right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd like to have a boat with a motor on it you don't just yeah. do that in a river but yeah, I canoe, and of course I fish. I trout fish, so I love the you moving do? waters. You I, fish? You know, you know, <laughs> I'm literally wearing the shirt I always wear that has a fish on it. Um, but yeah, maybe it's the, I, the moving water for me is where it's at. Yeah. yeah, and we've got an abundance of that. So now, is it your job to communicate all of that, or are you just specific to Rochester? Uh, so my role is specific to the city of Rochester, but I mean, obviously, as we as we, you know, just are a part of the communication kind of world, if you will, I, there is always, you know, mindfulness of uh, the region. I mean, and then our, our surrounding communities and our partnership there too. So, um, but specific to my role, it is the city of Rochester. Okay. Yeah. So this role was new. Let's go there a little bit, right? It was created. Yep. So I'm the first one to ever serve in the role. Um, and uh, so that again, they, the, the city, it was one of the roles that the city council approved back in 2018. And I've held the role since the end of July in 2018. So really the, you know, obviously we all probably have enough familiarity with the change that the city has gone through both with elected officials and, you know, kind of the retirements of a couple of the um, city council members and obviously longtime mayor Ardell Brady and then the change in city administration and city leadership. I always get the percentage a little bit wrong, but I think within the last four or five years, there's been over 50% change with department head leadership. Um, you know, obviously we had a long time city administrator, uh, assistant city administrator that has changed, um, and a lot of great work that has been done. I mean, each year, I mean, it's been incredible hearing the years of service that have retired mm -hmm. out of the city. You know, some folks with 25 years, but more typically 30 plus that have invested their time and energy and service to the community. Um, there has been, you know, I think this renewed kind of focus on communication and engagement um, with the community, and that was one of the large parts of developing the role that I have. Um, so I work across the organization. We have other communicators who are a few um, who are embedded in actual departments, uh, so public works, community development, uh, the library. Um, so for, we have eight departments that don't have a dedicated person, if you will, so I work across those eight departments, um, which is great. That's one of the things I didn't think I realized I would enjoy so much. Um, but then just holistically uh, across the organization, I do communication and engagement activities. So like if we were going to enforce a parking regulation. <laughs> you would like be our seasonal <laughs> parking requirements. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that was, that was what was one of my favorite things of 2019. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, Yes, so that's something I've worked on uh, with Megan Muller, my colleague, and and uh, Public Works. Um, you know, that was no small feat. You know, obviously, I think we knew coming out of the historic snowfall last year and what was a pretty chaotic, you know, um, snow emergency last year that something needed to be done. Right, we were running into issues with law enforcement and fire uh, folks not being able to literally get down a street, um, which obviously we need them to get to that incident or that need as soon as possible, and so. 
Um, you know, the city council then had conversations about what are we going to do. And, you know, there's never a perfect solution. And it, we, we obviously continue to see that community conversation on, hey, why can't we just do snow emergencies? And, you know, I think it's just knowing that uh, everybody's trying to do the best they can. And, yeah. um, but, you know, when we, in talking with uh, the now former public works director, he came from a community and he said it really takes about three years to get, yeah. you know, to get these things implemented. And so... Um, we've already, you know, we're learning along the way. We're testing out. Uh, the city council approved a $50,000 budget to support education and awareness activities, which, you know, in my brief time is the largest amount we've spent on a campaign, but it's really, um, it was a definite commitment by the city council to support, you know, as much as they could, um, letting the community know about this change. Um, but ultimately, I think it's just reminding folks it's about public safety, right? It's about if you're having a medical emergency or a loved one's having a medical emergency or, God forbid, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with a fire, the last mm-hmm. thing you want is for those public safety folks to not be able to get to you as fast as they can. So um, we just get to enjoy all the snow that we do in Minnesota and our, you know, our crews that are out there between, you know, largely public works, but even with our park and rec team, um, are very dedicated and diligent about getting those streets cleaned as quickly as possible. Um, and then, you know, really from curb to curb when they can. So this has already been a big help as far as having vehicles move as they have to clear curb to curb. So I think, you know, my guess is we've seen some snow. We've obviously got someone here who knows weather a little bit better than I do, but I would imagine we're going to see more snow here in January and February and people are really going to see, you know, the benefits of this uh, alternate, alternate side parking. And the thing that I didn't understand until I was listening uh, a little bit more closely is people were complaining about the early start and the late stop, but it is when you stop to consider um, cleaning the streets so that the leaves and all that, and then cleaning up all the salt so it doesn't go into our waterways, mm-hmm. it does take those extra months on, on either end of that. But because those of us who don't see snow don't understand you know, why are we being penalized, but it, it made sense. And I, I want to applaud the new leaders because, like you just said, we've had a huge turnover of leadership. And, I mean, Ron thrives on change, but there are not many people like him. People, <laughs> as a rule, don't like change. Yeah. And so you have a change in leadership, and they're implementing these new programs, and they take a lot of heat for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really watch. And so I, I applaud them because it's, it's never easy to be the one that has to start implementing some of these changes. And it's not because they don't like the way Rochester is. They just understand the city's growing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what used to work, what used to be good, isn't always the best choice for us today. Mm-hmm. Well, there's always that pain of change. There is. And you have to do right. But like you said, I, I that's a really good point, too, is that the, the first day that an ambulance can't make it down 2nd Street because mm-hmm. there are too many cars parked and the snow drifts are six feet high, as they have mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, that you're going to have to make sure that your first responders can get to where they need to go. And mm-hmm. even more, the first time an ambulance can't make it to your house, when you need that person yes. there. that will change your mind. Then you mm-hmm. become an advocate for change. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I just have been blown away, and not that I didn't expect it, having had an opportunity to work with various folks in the city, in my previous role, but just the passion and commitment for their service to the community. Uh, We had a local photographer who was out with um, a gentleman uh, doing the street sweeping, and we were expecting snow that night, and he was like, it's incredible. I was having a conversation and snapping photos of the street sweeping, and then sure enough, he was like, and I'll get pulled off, and I'll go into the plow truck tonight, and I'll be out overnight clearing the streets, and Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, he just said as he had the opportunity to interact with uh, city teammates all in the past year of capturing those images, he's like, the passion that each and every individual had uh, for their role was just inspiring. So, and this was, you know, someone who's been in the community for a long time, fairly active of just saying, having that opportunity to work directly with city teammates and hear their commitment to that service, um, you know, I think that kind of goes along with sometimes needing to make those tough decisions or those changes as, um, you know, these are individuals who are highly committed to the community. You know, one, they're likely residents themselves and have friends and families here, but it's the work that they do every single day. You know, we all hope that our work makes a difference, but, you know, a lot of it's to the direct lives and of our residents and visitors here. So that's, it's, it's, uh, I think one of the neatest parts of the jobs is to get to learn more about what various teammates do and their direct impact on the daily lives of people. So commitment, uh, looking back at your year to uh, 2019, what, what, what excited you? What did you feel good about? What, uh, talk to us about your year. So uh, great question. I think one of the things I'm really excited about that we did, you know, with the seasonal parking requirements is uh, we took a tri- trilingual approach to the program. So we have materials in English, Spanish, and Somali. Uh, So some might know that uh, according to our public school district, um, Somali is actually the second most spoken language with Spanish third. I didn't know that. Um, So it was really neat to have materials in English, Spanish, and Somali, Um, as well as we launched Polco, which is an online engagement tool. Um, We were one of the earlier adopters of the platform. Um, we launched it in March, uh, and hope to ha- we had hoped to have 1,500 users by the end of uh, 2019, um, and we were just about there, and that what's been really neat to see that pl- platform get used um, and the, the, the data that we're able to get from that. So just briefly about the platform, um, it actually is tied to voter registration. You don't have to be a registered voter. Um, we don't get personal information about folks unless they choose to identify themselves. Uh, I think Councilmember Wojcik is one that has identified himself and, a, and one other community member. But otherwise, folks can go on the platform. They can use it through their um, smartphone, through an app, or through the web-based, and they can answer questions. And if they are a registered voter, uh, it provides us data about what ward and precinct they're in, about their um, you know, gender, age, et cetera. And so the tool has been really interesting because it's, you know, the closest we can kind of get if and unless someone chooses to show up for a public hearing. So it's not just kind of a, you know, other survey tool where you just get a response from someone and don't have much more than that. We're able to then give the data to the council members so they can know, okay, where where are my constituents landing on this in the context of you know, the other constituents from other wards who have responded to this certain question or topic. Um, we had, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact number, but Elton Hills that just came up, that was a tool that we used um, and a great level of response from folks. So again, it's trying to meet people where they're at. You know, not everybody can make open houses or public meetings. Life is busy. But, you know, the opportunity to give people the ability to engage in a, at a time and place that works for them digitally um, has been really neat. I love data. You know, I haven't been able to dive in as much as I would like to at all times, but that's been a really neat platform to start to explore. And then just our our overall growth with communication um, in total. Um, I think I myself have 
written and sent out over 100 press releases in the last year. And I was in my first year, it was about 70 some. And I said, you know, that to me is an indication that great work has been happening at the city. Mm -hmm. There just hasn't been capacity to always communicate what's going on. And so I hope that that's made a difference. And then the other pieces are our Facebook page. So through social media, we grew over 7,000 likes in the last year as well. So again, as you just think about uh, reach and engagement, um, hopefully connecting with more community members about really what's going on. So, you know, you don't have folks surprised about the seasonal parking requirements or different changes or things that might be happening. Silly question. What's that Facebook page? Give it a plug. Uh, so that is the City of Rochester Facebook page. So if you city just search, of Rochester. Look at the City of Rochester Facebook page, yep. How do they not end up on City of Rochester, New York? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> just I guess I haven't looked at that one, yeah. You'll see, uh, well, maybe New York might be similar. I was going to say, you'll see the cover photo has a plow truck on it. Nice. But yeah. So that's, you know, really the last year, those are kind of some of the key things from nice. communication and engagement. But um, I do have to say, you know, specifically working with our, our public safety folks, um, you know, the fire department put, uh, put out their first ever strategic plan. Incredible to see, you know, look back over their history, but, you know, their plans into the future. Um, and then with our, with our um, police department mm-hmm. was able to be present for, you know, two of the events where they had honorary officers, um, some uh, two different young individuals who have been here for treatment at Mayo. I mean, just truly inspiring and um, getting to be a part of that day was pretty neat. And then their their work with, you know, Safe City Nights and other events like that has just been great to see, you know, that engagement with the community. Um, we had an opportunity to visit a couple of those. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, it it's, man, it's almost just t- touching yeah. to see them interacting with the public like that and creating just a totally different persona of, mm-hmm. of who they are as people. It Law enforcement is a, is a tough area. I mean, public safety overall, it's been interesting to hear some of the numbers from police and fire in terms of, um, you know, uh, applicants that they're getting and, you know, lower rates right now. It's just, it's hasn't been as appealing of a profession, I think, for some. Um, my brother just retired out of law enforcement. He was in, in it for 10 years. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, that was the big piece with Safe City Nights was interacting with community members, not at a time of crisis, and really trying to build those relationships and see kind of who's behind the badge. Uh, these are really caring individuals. Um, and I think, you know, your experience is similar to others. We're having that opportunity to interact with law enforcement members um, and other members of the law enforcement team was a great uh, experience for the community. There was over just about 5,500 people who attended those various events, and this wow. was the first year. Mm-hmm. So they're planning already for next year. Well, I guess this year, uh, here for 2020. Um, and I think we'll see those numbers increase. But uh, Chief Franklin and his team have done a great job with their community engagement uh, and then with their various programs. You know, they were the recipient of the Mayo's Shared Value Award with their police assisted recovery and trying to help those with addiction issues. So we've got some really great work happening in the community. Um, and I should note that that's not just the city, but our county partners and other organizations mm-hmm. who are really stepping up to the plate. Obviously, we saw that with um, homelessness and the warming uh, warming shelter and everything like that. Yeah. So 2020, what's 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 your challenge? Oh, I think that's a great question. I think one of the things we hear is, you know, what's happening? What's going on with this or that? Or I didn't know. And I think it's fair. I think, you know, one of the things that we think we can all do is give ourselves a little bit of a break that 
we are having an unprecedented amount happen in this community. And as you talk about differences or similarities, um, you know, even like a community like St. Paul or Minneapolis, in the context of their size, um, we have a ton going mm -hmm. on in terms of development and change and new. Um, so I think that's one of our biggest challenges is how do you find that balance of engaging and communicating with folks that where it doesn't feel overwhelming, um, but they're getting the information, you know, at the right time and in the right place and in the right context um, and trying to simplify it in a way that breaks it down where they can digest it. Um, but you look at the projects that are going to be, you know, in construction phase, specifically Heart of the City Phase 1, huge changes with that public space. Uh, North Broadway, we're going to see construction there. Other projects continuing as well, um, you know, in addition to all of the private development and building that we're seeing. So I think with all of that, it's just how do we communicate it uh, in a way that really feels like it's approachable for folks and like they're in the know and not overwhelmed. But mm -hmm. I would just say for, you know, those in the community, it's fair to feel like what's going on? Because <laughs> you know? sure. I yeah. think those of us even who are on the front lines are constantly digesting that information and really trying to do our best to keep people up to speed and up to date. Yeah. And some of us forget too that you need to be proactive in searching out that information as well. I mean, there's so much. I mean, the information age right now is sticking your face in front of a fire hose. And if you <laughs> decide to not watch TV or listen to the radio or just be engaged on digital media, you're going to miss out. Yeah. And, and so. that's if people, you know, as we look to put information out, if there's something that we're missing or you have questions on, I think that's the other thing is, so our um, city clerk's office uh, is our, answers the main phone lines and is the ones that service our front desk. And between in-person visits and the phone, there was over 25,000 customer, customer interactions in 2019. So uh, that number wow. continues to grow. So if you think about, you know, there's somebody on the other line, if you're going to call the city, uh, who will be either able to answer that question or put you in contact with the right department. So I always encourage folks to contact the city. Um, we've got very uh, great elected officials who are very responsive, um, even in their part-time role, you know, as elected mm -hmm. officials. Um, so I think if people have questions and they're not finding the information, definitely reach out. We want to know what we might not be getting to folks. I think the other thing we can't forget is 2020 is an election year. So we have uh, three election events, if you will. Um, so the presidential primary, and then the, then we go into August in the primary, and then the you know actual election in November. Uh, if I could put a plug in, uh, we are looking for election judges. So if people are interested in fulfilling that civic duty, it is a you know paid opportunity. But I had the opportunity to serve as an election judge a couple of years ago, and there's just something really neat about the day. You know those coming in to vote and exercise that right to vote, and you know bringing their children in to see the process and the excitement on their faces. So um, we've kicked off that process, and if people are interested in being an election judge for any of those three election events, we would gladly welcome them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How do they How do they apply? So they can go down to the city website um, and search under elections and get okay. all signed up there. Um, the city and uh, city and county work very closely. We're in direct partnership, and you know, you unique year that we have both election events and we've got the census in 2020 as right. well here. So big year in terms yeah. of just that overall environment. Yeah. yeah. So a couple final questions. Yeah. Since 2014, when you came back yeah. to today, in your involvement with RDA, now the city of Rochester, what is a change in the city, whether downtown or around, that you are most excited about? When you see it, you just, you, you feel good about this 
development, the growth, the change, anything in particular? You're I really think, on the spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think great question. I think the thing I continue to be the most excited about is those coming into our community who really experience the uniqueness um, and kind of the magic that is Rochester and we hook them and they stay, right? I think that was something that was a little surprising, you know, coming back of I can go to the grocery store or go somewhere and I, I largely don't know everyone, you know, which was a totally different than having grown up here where I probably would see one or two people um, I would know plus. Uh, so that has been really neat just to see the newness and the different people coming into the community and then staying here, you know, uh, for years and, and either starting their family or raising their family or retiring here. Um, I think that continues to be a place of inspiration and excitement. Um, I think the other thing, you know, now working for the city specifically, and I saw it with the RDA as well, but just the commitment that people have for this community and really wanted to make it the best place it can be. Mm -hmm. We have a tremendous opportunity you know, with, with DMC, we were, DMC or not, we were expecting to see similar levels of growth. But, you know, the opportunity to plan and be intentional, uh, that's the thing I've heard from folks who have been outside of this community looking in with the Destination Medical Center initiative is we have a true opportunity to shape this community, shape projects, shape public spaces in a way that other communities would love to have. And right. that's that's pretty cool. It's just, right. I think, remembering that in the context of change and challenge and all of that is this is truly an opportunity to, you know, keep what has been Rochester great and just build upon it in a way that is in line with growth and development. Nice. Yeah. Ron, final question. First of all, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for thank taking you the so time. Much. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I was anxious to have you here and, and, and pick your brain about all this. And uh, um, so the last question, Where's your go-to place to uh, eat in Rochester, NY? Oh, gosh. What do you like? That's a very hard question for a pregnant lady. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I think that's one thing that, too, as you talk about changes and just the, you know, what Rochester has to offer is um, the wide variety of cuisine that we have here, too. Um, I'm still hoping for a Himalayan restaurant. I love Indian food, but that's you only have a couple places even up in the metro, uh-huh. so maybe that's kind of a long wish. But... Uh, I don't know if there's one. We try to make our way around a variety of different places. So you've had a busy week. It's a Friday night. <laughs> you just need to go. Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one to it answer is. in Rochester. It is. It is. Yeah. It really is. I mean, you've got, it. depending on what you're looking for and, you know, okay. our, our two and a half year old, you know, depending yeah. on how much you want to interrupt other people's dinners or not. But... <laughs> There's really no, you know, and also the new restaurants that are coming into yeah. where uh, my, my wife is a big uh, Mexican food fan. So mm. we've made our way out to the, you know, the new place out by the airport a couple of times. Yep. We're fortunate enough to live by Lucy's food truck. Um, oh, yes. You know, we're big fan of sushi. Yeah. Uh, that, that was one that, of the first things our daughter ate was uh, noodles from a Tori. So we've gotten <laughs> to know that owner fairly well, too. That Mexican restaurant, I, I don't know the name of it, out by the airport. They, they're doing a nice job. Yeah, and that, that I think, a great example of they've got a few other locations in other communities, you know, near Rochester. And again, as you talk about being a pretty approachable community to come in and either expand your business or start your business, you can't always find that. So mm-hmm. um, that's pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the variety is great. If you get tired of one cuisine, you can move on to a different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think the other piece of that is we've got, as we talk about the region, you know, other places that you can have a short little trip and really enjoy some, 
unique or, or good cuisine as well. We really enjoy Estelle's down in Harmony. And, you know, talk about neat connection. We actually were introduced to that restaurant because they were participating in the Boys and Girls Chili Challenge, and they had a really great soup. And so we're like, we, we ended up going there a couple weeks later, and it's neat how you can be exposed to different places in the region as well. Well, we'll have to check that one out. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone has a question about what's going on at the City of Rochester, how do they get a hold of you, or what's the best method of asking a question? Yeah, so, um, you know, again, through social media people, we all know how easy it is to just jump on online and go on the Facebook page. You can always shoot us a direct message, and we're really pretty responsive um, that way if that's easiest for you. Otherwise, again, you can call the city's main phone line. Uh, if people want to reach me directly, it's jbowman at rochestermn.gov. Um, usually pretty responsive, but, um, you know, any which way you want to connect with the city, we'll, we'll get back to you. Wonderful. Jenna, thank you for being here yeah, today. Absolutely. Thanks we for really having appreciate me. appreciate it. If you want to get a hold of us, our website is whitemanbrock, W-I-G-H-T-M-A-N-B-R-O-C-K.com. Email is info at whitemanbrock.com, and our phone number is 507-208-2246. Is that right? That's right. Okay. You do a great job, Arby. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we appreciate your feedback. And if you have uh, any ideas for our next podcast, please let us know.